And a reminder, the first 30 minutes of this podcast are available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and many of the major platforms. The full podcast is available at www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. SRB Media. And welcome all to our weekly podcast, Terry Curran's Current View with the Order Bills, but our Mr. Terry Curran, steady away, TC, a bit different today. It is our 150th, our 149th together, because the first Current View, you did it with Chris. Yes, yes, I did, that's right. I just can't believe this is our 150th. Time just absolutely flies by. Absolutely. And I'm in Chris's studio today. I've got no heat. I've got no bed, no cat, no TV. But at least I can look at you, T, and we're going to chew the fat over football like we always do every week. Magic moments. What have you sourced for us? Again, it's been a cracker. Listen, you can go down to the uh, Conference League and there's absolutely some sublime goals there. Yeah. I mean, I was going to pick both of your two goals, what you liked. I thought, well, it's not, it's not fair because, I mean, I looked at that Santos and that uh, Nuno Santos for Sporting and his Rabina. Yes. And, and then I looked at May's goal, which is an inc- Well, both of them are just incredible. I thought, well, I'm not going to nick them. I'll let you uh, talk your way through them. I've gone for the uh, Odegaard goal for, Char- uh, for Arsenal at Fulham. Yeah. Pulls it down on his knee. What what gives him time is the control, and then it gives him space because he just knocked it into the right thing. And he's playing outstanding for uh, for um, Arsenal. I mean, they got him from Real Madrid, and Tom said to me, "This kid's going to be a hell of a player." But now he's settled in, and Arsenal playing really well. They look they look a, a great team at the moment in time. Arsenal. How good is Odegaard? Because when they bought him, I rem- remember specifically. These pundits saying, oh, he ain't going to fit into the English game. He's a little bit lightweight, but what a player. What a left foot. It reminds me very much in in the same way as what Liam Brady done for Arsenal with that left foot. Well, awesome. he, hasn't half, he hasn't half turned them round. I mean, it, yeah. especially he was under a lot of pressure, you know. Yet he won the FA Cup in his first season, and that's his first job. He didn't get a big club. He got one of the major clubs in, in, in the Premier League in Arsenal, you know, wins trophies. I mean, he was bought uh, by Real Madrid as the next uh, wonder boy, you know. But when you've got Real Madrid, you've got that many top players. He was only a kid. Sometimes it is hard to, 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 to break into it. But he's come to Arsenal and he's now looking the player that uh, Real Madrid um, were expected. But you know when you've got that when you've got that touch uh, as, as a player, what happens then is people then know that you, you're not going to. I mean, you, if you haven't got a great touch, then your second uh, touch is a tattle. Yeah. And players like him, what has, have got that sublime touch? It gives them time, space. But it all helps when you're playing in the team. And, I mean, they hit that little blip, but it was only a little blip. It weren't for four or five weeks, was it? You know, and now they've turned it round. And I'm, I still think Manchester City is going to win it, but by the, they're going to have to, to kick on because at the end of the day, Arsenal are matching them toe for toe and they're five points clear at this moment in time. 
His first touch is in his head, isn't he, Odegaard? He, he looks at the, the picture, he knows where he wants to play the ball, he can pick out a nice simple pass, he likes to play that risky pass, and the way that he, he's just, his, his, his balance and his, his weight is on that, that, that right, and he just whips that left foot round and puts the ball through, and I've seen him do that on a number of occasions this season. I think for me, he's... He is the best player, or the player that I've enjoyed watching the most in the Premier League this 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 season. I think he's an absolute genial type of player, and I can almost see them them cogs ticking around in his in his brain when he gets on the pitch. Is I think therefore I play. He's that kind of footballer for me. He, he's getting now uh, on a par with uh, Kevin De Bruyne at uh, Manchester yeah. City, uh, and when you get midfield players, what can Spread that killer pass through. And you're right, what you're saying there is the great players, they see two or three passes in front of them and they see the space where they can squeeze that ball through with the right weight of that pass. You know, I mean, no disrespect to Pundit, some of them have been great players. But I do see why they don't make good managers or great managers because they don't think outside the box. It's, I mean, I watched our training over the years and that's still not changed. It's still not changed one little bit. We we we, we put the emphasis on on uh, working hard uh, and giving hundred percent. Where the continentals, the uh, South Americans, they look on technical ability, yeah, right, and taking a risk, you know. But then you have to balance up the team itself. The team has to be balanced, and on top of that, uh, what you've got to have is um, the players. What can open the door? But at the same time, they've got to be able to close spaces down when they haven't got the ball and read the game. And when you look at all the elite managers, that's what they do. I mean, I go on, people go on about coaching. I go on about coaching and look at it. But at the end of the day, when you're signing these type of players, they've already got the ability. What you've got to do is get the balance of the team right and say, right, this is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do when we haven't got the ball. And when we've got the ball, go and express yourselves. Absolutely. My magic moments. Uh, it is Cheltenham, by the way, uh, this week. Have you had a flutter? Do you like the horses? I know you like the greyhounds. Yeah, I do like the horses. Have I had a flutter? No. Um, two people asked me uh, for a tip. Uh, it ran second. Fast or slow, I gave it yesterday. Uh, my friend Lee, who I interact with, a Portsmouth fan, and uh, Danny, is it Dewhurst? He, he's in yeah. Australia. He said, yeah, have you got anything for Cheltenham? So... I had a look, uh, which was yesterday, but I, I mean, I've been running about today. I've taken my brother to pick a car up today, so uh, I've been running about the uh, majority of the day. Well, we're on about uh, Cheltenham. The greatest thing I've seen at Cheltenham this week is Alpha May's goal. I mean, he scored a brace the weekend, but that second goal where he's got the ball, that the, the fullback. Would, I'm going to interrupt <sighs> you, but if that had been Messi or Ronaldo or Pelé, George yeah. Best or yeah. uh, Zidane. Yeah. Because that's how good it was. Or a Premier League player. Yeah, but they still would have got that recognition like the, we're messing all them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're saying. You see, I see, we see lots of Premier League goals and, and from the bottom half of the table. But if that was any of them, they'd have been showing that goal week in, week, uh, week, in, week out for the next five or six months. That's how mm. good a goal yeah. it was. 
and and the technique. I mean, he, he's got the ball. He's 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 hit it up, and he's seen the keeper, and then with his other foot, he's just lobbed him. I just you tremendous vision. You have to see it to believe it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I just thought it was an amazing, uh, skillful bit of um, improvisation as well. Because when you're that deep and you're just about in in your opponent's half, to get your head up and see what the goalkeeper's it's doing. Line. It's oh, absolutely, absolutely, and control it and do what he'd done. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Kai Havertz goal for uh, for uh, Chelsea against Leicester City. I love the little loop pass by Fernandez, and again Kai Havertz we spoke about him on the last podcast I think he's a tremendous footballer, he's got everything in his game, just needs that little bit of confidence, scoring a few goals Chelsea have won a few games now back to back, Chelsea could have a decent run in towards the end of the season now, who knows they might even get in the Champions League final Is this is this the time that he's going to, you know, he's, he's got mm. the goal now, because yeah. well, he, sometimes when they haven't scored these, these players uh, they go on a run yeah, because I'm like you, the kid looks mm-hmm. a great player, mm-hmm. but he's taken a bit of stick because you know he has missed a lot of chances. We can't, you know, we can't stick up for him at that level. You've got to be taking your chances, and at that level, those great players usually do. Joe Felix been, is another but, one, but there's been a lot of turmoil. When I say turmoil, a lot of changes up there, selling yeah. the club, new owners coming in, new manager coming in. So it, it does take time. We have to give him a little bit of time, and I hope. I'm like you. I hope uh, Graham Potter can uh, succeed because I want to see the, a successful English manager. Absolutely. Joe Felix, I mean, yeah, in front of goal, he hits the post. He's been so unlucky. Chelsea just need to find that and say they have won a few games now back-to-back. They've found those wins. They've found the formula to win. When you look at their best eleven, that Chelsea best eleven is as good as anything in the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what they've done, they've done a a, a big turnaround with, with yeah. players. When I said turnaround, they fetched a lot of players in. And yes, they should be able to uh, blend in, but the manager's got to get the balance of the team right. Um, and look at them, when, when they do play well, they look a hell of a team, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to do something this season. They've, you know, they must stay in that uh, Champions League uh, spot. Uh, because at the end of the day, you can lose out on the big-name players because everybody wants to play in the Champions League, as you know. But they are looking something like Chelsea of old. Absolutely. But my magic, magic moment, and I can't pronounce the kid's name, is the Georgian international that plays for Napoli. Um, His first name begins with a K, and his second name begins with a K, and I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce it but my word, what a player. And that goal, if you watch that goal again, he beats four players, he turns them one way, turns them the other way, he sits them all on the backsides, and the first one nearest the goalkeeper, he slid that far. He needed to pay to get back into the ground, too. Gabby, I mean, we spoke about this. I You know, I interacted with uh, uh, Alan Hudson, not I'm on about his son, Alan. Yeah. And they were, they were on about the defending with Tottenham, with uh, Sheffield United and Tottenham. I don't give a damn how good a defender you are, Bobby Moore, whoever you are. Once that player drops that shoulder, yeah. it makes you commit, right? Um, so when you see that type of goal and the technique technique, technique of it, it doesn't have to get the fans off the off the seats. I mean, in our day, my day, they were standing anyway. But yeah. when you see that... You know, it's, that's what the fans want to come and see, don't they? They want to see people Absolutely. beat people. They want to see spectacular goals. And by the way, 
with having the uh, TV cameras up and down all up and down the country, all over the world, to see these goals, it's just it's brilliant to be able to see it. That that's what I, I do like about the modern day football now. And also, what I like to see too is when I see players like that, I watch them again. So when Napoli are playing, I'll turn it on and I'll watch Napoli because I think this fella is absolutely top draw. I'd love to see him play in England. Uh, the Italians have got a big problem that they want to see the best players playing in Italy. But the money is in England and uh, who knows, it will be a tremendous signing for someone. Probably Chelsea. Well, I've never, I do like a lot of Italian players, but I've never, yeah. I've never liked Italian football. No, World Cup he's Georgian, it, but it's yeah. just no. I know what I was going to say yeah. to you hmm. is uh, they, they do play de- defensive football, but this yeah. manager at Napoli, they play some great football. You know? Yeah, they do. I mean, they yeah. absolutely destroyed uh, Liverpool hmm. in the knockout rounds. So I mean, Liverpool got the revenge back at uh, Anfield, but they're a good team. Is this Napoli? Don't underestimate them. And it's a horrible place to go again, Napoli. You know, a great. I think they've had a great it's season. Of, it's one of those uh, grounds where, yeah. it's one of those grounds where you, when you go to places like Millwall, but it's a mass. It's a, we're yeah, talking yeah. about a massive club, but there's a lot of hostility there yeah. with fans, and then that's not knocking uh, Millwall. It's an intimidating place to play at, especially the old ground at um, the Den. Yeah, and and Napoli is the same. It's an intimidating ground to go to, and. They're a good footballing team. I do. I don't mind watching them. Yeah, again, Chelsea, Napoli, Manchester City, Bayern Munich could end up that those are the four semi finalists in this season's Champions League. Well, Before don't, don't we got... underestimate um, Real Madrid. Again, Madrid, yeah. Playing you know, against Liverpool tonight, 5 2 at Anfield. I mean, again, two flying. Two, they were 2 0 up and they had Liverpool at half time. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but it was incredible how they turned it around. And Phenomenal. But for but again, 20 minutes, 50, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, I hear a lot of people say, why did they sit back? No, when you lose it, yeah. the, team, the team's come out and wanted to, yeah. you know, try and get an equaliser. And then they fall into the, in, into the doldrums of it, you know. But Liverpool have been up down this season, haven't they? I think it's incredible. I mean, they beat Manchester United by seven and then they go to uh, Bournemouth and get beat. Currently tonight, they're playing against Real Madrid. I haven't got a TV. I'm in Chrissy's studio. I've got, as I said at the top of the show, I've got no eat, no TV, no cat, no bed, no nothing. <laughs> I'll but keep I, you, Tom. Thanks, Steve. But I actually can't see Liverpool getting anything from this game tonight. It's a tall ask. I mean, it'd be like trying to... Climb Mount Everest without any climbing gear. I think that's how bad and how difficult a challenge it is for Liverpool last night. What was a very easy challenge uh, last night, which I thought might be a difficult one, was that was Manchester City playing against Leipzig, RB Leipzig, who were on a decent run of form themselves. Manchester City just absolutely blew them away. And early in Ireland, I don't know what they fed him on before the game, perhaps raw steak. Listen, that result and that performance last night yeah. was as good as I've ever seen Manchester City play. And I've Absolutely. seen the play some great football under Pep Guardiola. We, you know, they do have great players, but they—I mean, they're a half decent team in Leipzig, and they just yeah. made them look. I mean, they were—they were. They were a, if you would have known how decent a team they were, they are that uh, Leipzig. You'd have thought, what are these doing in Champions League? Yeah. But Manchester City. Mm. 
it just destroyed them. It's like that, that Liverpool game against Manchester United. When you look at that, United first half didn't look bad. They looked, they looked competent. They looked as though they could. Well, they looked as though they were going to go in at halftime winning. And then second half, Liverpool were brilliant. United were poor. But you can say Leipzig were poor, but absolutely. City last night were electrifying. Brilliant to watch. And the atmosphere last night there, the sound coming back from the TV were unbelievable. And it looks as though the Man City fans now are embracing the Champions League because they haven't had the best runs in the Champions League. I don't mean City, but the fans, there's always been a little bit about anti-Europe and things that are going on and still currently going on with Europe and Manchester City. But they were in full voice. They were even doing the Poznan. And Kevin De Bruyne, I thought, was absolutely sublime. It's not often that a player will score five goals in a game, yet another player is man of the match. And I know they give it to uh, to Ireland, but for me, Kevin De Bruyne was man of the match last night. I thought he was fabulous. Oh, I, I mean, he was back to his best last night. Yeah. I mean... He's had a kick up the backside through um, Pep Guardiola. He said, I've never seen Kevin give the ball away as much, but it was bang on last night. He was sublime, but you're right. I've never seen that where when somebody scores five goals, he doesn't get man of the match. And also, like, the whole of the team. I mean, again, I posted up last night, you know, some people actually do believe Man City are better without Ireland. I, I absolutely can't believe that. That's a thing. The- no, I'm sorry. No, I just think the kid is absolutely phenomenal. I, I get it that he's not the greatest of actual technical ball-playing central strikers, but that kid's frightening as well. Six foot four, six foot five, built like a brick outhouse. He puts so much effort into everything that his he does. Pace, his pace oh, and all sorts of It's frightening. It is frightening. But let's go back to what you were saying there about... Yeah. Um, is, it a better, is City a better team? Right. Yes. When you look at it, they have been a bit different, mm. but they still managed to be going to a quarterfinal now of a, a Champions League, second into Premier League, yeah. and still in the FA Cup. So they're going for three things again this season. Now, they're the same pundit, right? What I'm saying, if, if they signed Ireland, they need to sign Ireland because they're one dimension. If they signed Ireland, they'll, they'll win everything. They soon don't have to change their mind. Yeah. The, 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 and these are great. These have been great players. I always go revert back to uh, David Silva. Too small, not strong enough. Ba 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 ba. And then all of a sudden, what a wonderful player David Silva was for uh, Manchester City. You know, and he got all the accolades. That's why we know good at management nowadays. It's something radically wrong with them. What they're not seeing, I don't know. They've just they want to go on effort and hundred percent that type of thing. And I'm thinking. Yeah, you've got to put... If you don't listen, if you don't work to get the ball back when you haven't got it, you know, you'll come croppers, right? But if you don't give the ball away, like City don't give give it away, but I've not seen Ireland play bad. Every team, whoever they are, every team have a little blip. Yeah. You know, but Arsenal are playing exceptionally well this season. That's why they're top of the league. And they have to play exceptionally well because this Manchester City team... Is, if, is, is the best in Europe. If, well, it's one of the yeah. best in Europe, if not the best in, in, in Europe. Manchester City versus world champions Argentina. Who wins? My money be on Man City. Man City. Yeah. And not because it's what, you know, I just said Manchester City. Yeah. 
For me, they're the best team in the world. I think they're absolutely amazing. Last night, superb, 7-0. What a way to get into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Book Corner TC in association with MyFootballBooks.com. Uh, the first uh, book that I want to talk about tonight, three games in May and a 20-year odyssey that um, defined Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United by Rob Carlos. I've done a podcast with Rob. It is out on all the socials uh, from today, so you can access it on all the usual Apple, Spotify, etc., etc. But again, the treble. I think Man City will win the treble this season. Manchester United in the 1988-1998-99 season won the treble. But for me, they didn't win the league before that season in 97. It was Arsenal that won the league. So they went into the Champions League, but they wasn't actually champions. So what I'm saying is, in old money, they wouldn't have been in the European Cup. So when the European Cup teams, they win the treble. For me, that's the proper treble. But a great achievement. And the only English team so far that's done it. I'm hoping Man City can emulate it. But your memories of Sir Alex Ferguson and uh, and, and those... Particularly those three games in May, won the league, won the FA Cup, and then beat Bayern Munich. Well, um, I, I backed Man United to win to European Cup, but I threw my ticket away. Yeah, you would do. When there's when uh, yeah. Ted Sheringham and um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. scored both goals. But by the way, they didn't play particularly well that night, and uh, Bayern Munich were the better team. But they got the result. I mean. What can you say about Alex Ferguson? He's won every mortal thing, and I don't want to put a downer on it, but that Barcelona team, when they played Man United at Wembley, the yeah. season before, yes. was it? Yeah, or yeah, season yeah. after, I'm not quite yeah. sure now. Yeah, And when I saw that uh, Barcelona team beat, destroy a Man United team uh, as good as I've seen a Man United team, it just shows you how good they were. But Alex Ferguson didn't do it with one team. He did it with about five or six, seven teams. He, he kept producing and producing and played some great football. People go on. I mean, they go on about Man United because it's a it's a massive club, supporters from all over around the world. And I get I get frustrated about all that with, with, with people. But to do what he did with those type of teams, you know, uh, keep producing, season in and season out. Yeah, they drop off and then go, but they didn't go off for that period of time like the, since Ferguson's left him. He's produced some great teams, some great players, and had some great players. You know, Van Nisselrooy's, Giggs, Beckham's, Ronaldo's, you know, Stamp. You can go on Roy Keane's, you know. It, it's incredible what he's what he's done at Man United. You know me, I'm a big massive Clough fan, but he out uh, he outdoes uh, Clough, uh, Clough because the trophies he's won. It's incredible, but Cluffy did it with two small clubs yeah. as such, Absolutely. you know, whereas um, Sir Alex did it with one of the, arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, it's still difficult to do it with one of the biggest clubs in the world because, as you say... Everybody you, wants to meet you. And Absolutely. Now, forget. And, and since Ferguson's left, Manchester United haven't been anywhere near the levels that they were under Sir Alex Ferguson. So it still is very difficult and it makes and takes a special man. And this book looks at the... Uh, it looks at the the influence of Sir Alex Ferguson. Yes, for sure, it's about the the treble and those three games in May, plus the season as a whole. But Rob goes back and, and talks to supporters. There's supporters 
influence and um, contributions in the book. So, tremendous book, a must for all Manchester United supporters, certainly of a certain age. But I like to say also a book that would that would interest football fans of other clubs. Three games in May by Rob Carlos. Um, second in the trilogy, Dutch Masters when Ajax. Total Football Conquered Europe by Gary Thacker. I've done a podcast with Gary and that will be coming out within the next couple of days. But Ajax in the 70s, again, what a team. When you take Ajax, when you take Ajax to win a treble at European Cups, or a team as small as, well, it may be just a little bit more populated than, than Scotland, but to do that and to keep producing the players they produce, their their football or their football is absolutely what how they produce and that team of, of Ajax in uh what was that? When seventy what was 70, it? 71, 72, 72, 73, 73, the one that you've been Because I'm trying to I'm look I'm trying to go I'm trying to look at the 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 uh, Ajax uh, the uh, Dutch team what got beat by Germany seventy four total football. I mean, we expect total football now from from Holland uh, when we always expected it from um, Brazil when we saw Brazil's in World Cups. But it's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Burnley's gone one up, Sunderland's gone one up. So going to be interesting for uh, Sheffield United with Middlesbrough, isn't it? Absolutely. And what happens in this silly season? The uh, the battle starts, you know, don't it? And they're playing fear football and and. and when you, earlier in the season you've got results at the moment, some of the teams are just not quite getting it over the line. But the Dutch team in the early 70s, Ajax did. And what makes it even more remarkable too, it was when Renus Michaels took over, I think it was early 60s, I think it may have been 1963, when Michaels walked in there. You know, they were a part-time side. They wasn't a professional football team. Pete Kaiser was the first professional footballer to play for Ajax. Johan Cruyff was the second. He absolutely transformed it. They got to the European Cup final in 1969 and got beat 4-1 by the great AC Milan side. Two years after, they were back. They were playing at Wembley. They beat a good Panathinaikos team. They still talk about that team in Greek. The great Ferenc Puskas was their manager and then went on to win back-to-backs. But not just back-to-back, free on the spin. They won it in the backyard of their biggest and most fiercest rivals, Feyenoord, when they put into Milan to the sword to uh, goal. Uh, brace from Johan Cruyff. 73 after that, they played um, in Belgrade uh, against Juventus. Johnny Rep scored the winning goal. And after that, Johan Cruyff left. He went to join Michaels at um, at Barcelona. But a fantastic route, some great contributions, including the great Rudy Kroll, as contributed to this book by uh, Gary Thacker. So it will be in my library and it's a well, must-read. We- we have spoke about uh, the, the Dutch, the, the Dutch, and the uh, total football. When they did it, they, they did it with absolutely beautiful football, you know. And you were going about Michaels, right? I mean, um, Beckenbauer did it at Bayern Munich and um, won a World Cup with, with Germany. But Cruyff, uh, is football. And then to go into management and produce uh, the football he did as a manager, because they all go about top players don't make, you know, don't always make. But he left a legacy as a player 
and he left a legacy as a manager. And that legacy, like uh, Michael's, uh, Roy will have gone with Michael's way of playing football and Pep Guardiola learned so much and he'll tell you he learned so much from um, Cruyff that uh, he went down that route and I've, I've seen things where, where Guardiola uh, in, 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 Barcel- in Barcelona there were little little pits put up on walls uh, we don't want anyone under six foot and when Cruyff come in he took that down you know Cruyff always said if you're big enough you're good enough and if you're good enough then you play and that's the difference why these type of players not only were great players, they went on to be great managers. There's something radically wrong with our managers while we're not going on to become great managers when they played under great managers and being great players themselves. It's quite incredible, isn't it? And uh, third is... <laughs> Excuse me? Old Liverpool FC in colour, the rise of the Reds like you've never seen before by Gary Chilvers and Mark Platt, a fantastic pictorial book. And Andy always gives us an on this day, and it's it's quite relevant today, because on this day, the 15th of March, 1892, club founder John Holding split from Everton Football Club and decided to create a new football team to play at his Anfield ground. The book delves deep into the archives to shed new life on a fascinating narrative, one that brought to life through the expert colorization of 130 stunning photographs of Liverpool. So again, very historical, very relevant. And I when didn't realize that it was when, this day that Liverpool were formed. When we, when we look at Liverpool and what Shankly achieved, 